0: Hey guys, welcome back to Keep It Ninety Nine, the most edifying podcast in the world, and we're joined today by a very special guest from Cairo, Egypt. Well, you're not from Cairo, Egypt. We're in Cairo, Egypt, but very special guest, uh, Robert. Felix. I don't know your last name. Felix. Robert Felix. That's right.
1: That's right. Felix. That's
0: not I'm not going to guess Felix. Yeah. Yep. Interesting. Not a very Egyptian name, is it?
1: It's not Egyptian, but yes, I am Egyptian. Yes.
0: As a matter of fact, he is. Um, well, thank you, Robert, for taking time out of your extremely busy uh, schedule here in Egypt uh, for coming on the podcast. Uh,
1: my pleasure. My pleasure.
0: Um, so we've actually just, both of us just recently wrapped up a mission trip um, here in Egypt. So before we get started on the what we're going to talk about, I just wanted to know like your thoughts on the mission trip and what you would say to people who are thinking about maybe going on one.
1: I mean the mission trip it was a really great and unique experience um you know I, we had our our whole family there so see, seeing my younger daughters experience this and be, being with their church family their church friends um for a week that I think that was like really special and I think for all of us, I think we got to see the service here in Egypt. I think that was um, like really special because the servants here, the ministry here, um, they really pour their hearts into it. And it's not just like a check the box thing for them. I felt like all of them are pouring their hearts out. They're they're really, they're not, they're not being limited by anything. And I think for me, the takeaway was like, I can serve anywhere. I can do I can see the need in, in, in any any in anywhere in anywhere in anyone and try to help. And I think like, I, I always think like, okay, I have boxes. I can just teach Sunday school. I can do this, and that's it, right? But I feel like here, like what we what we just saw, like, um, I don't know, for just clarification for your audience because they were with us on the trip. Yes. Um, you know, we we served with like this nonprofit organization that started with one guy, um, and now and you know he just saw a need that there were pe- poor people in the villages who were broken homes malnutrition with lack of funds and he wanted to do something so he started like visiting them and he built this organization now 25 years later and they're doing amazing work and we got to like shadow them and work with them for a couple of days it was inspiring to see the work that they did and so mm-hmm. i think for for me my takeaway was like there's no duality between like your personal life and your church life i thought like Like this guy, he he was very successful in his business professional life, but like he used that and he went all in in, in another direction too. And for for me, like I hope I can serve in that way, whether I'm, you know, at my work, serve that way, at school, with my family, Um, wherever I'm at, can I serve? Can I be an ambassador for Christ? However it is, I think our context is going to look different. How we serve is going to look different, but can we be an ambassador to Christ wherever we are? That was sort of like, like a a nice reminder. I, like none of this is new, but it was a nice reminder. Like to, and to see it in action, it's always a nice reminder. Like these people are shedding any any misconceptions, or you know, and they're just saying, "We're a son and daughter of Christ. We're gonna do what is required of us. We're gonna love what the way it's required of us, and and God will bless." And just to be able to do that, I hope I can emulate that in some small way so that was one takeaway um i think the other one um i think we talked about this before uh but beforehand was just this idea of like unity like we're all united and like we're all one body like whether whether our brothers and sisters in egypt whether those back home wherever we are we're all one body um body in christ and so they're not different than us we're just maybe you know we have different circumstances but you know if they're suffering then we should be suffering as the bible says we should Reach out to help them. Uh, so, this idea of unity, uh, of like one body, was really just kept resonating with me that we're all one. And how do we help the, the other members of the body? How do we serve them? Getting back to that service thing. Um, so, those two things, I think, together really uh, were my key takeaways. I don't know, how, how about you?
0: Yeah. And I think to piggyback off that one body thing, I mean, something that um, was very apparent was the diversity of the people that were on the trip with us. Right, I mean, we had people from one, two years old to very old. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, as I one said, we had a seventy-seven year difference between the youngest and the oldest. Um, and so it's interesting because you get it's kind of like it's kind of like being on a podcast for for a week. You know, you get people with different perspectives, different backgrounds, people who immigrated from Egypt, from other countries, people who are born in America, people who are or, or have parents that were born in America. Like you get this entire a culmination of people and the only thing that is in common with each and every single one of them is the faith. And it's, it's honestly, it's, it's kind of encourage, It's very encouraging to see that because a lot of times we get stuck in our own bubble with our own friends and we're just kind of, you know, like, Oh, everyone thinks the same way as us. And it's like, no. And it's like, Oh, people who don't think like us are against us. That's also not true. Exactly. You no, know, I so. think
1: it's absolutely true. And I think the beauty of our group like you're saying, we had, like, people in our, like, early or, like, late 70s and, like, newborn, uh, fairly newborn babies, but, and everything in between, and everyone got along, and everyone, you're, like, like you're saying, the, only, the commonality was the faith in Christ, that one body in Christ, and for, probably in, in our group, people thought differently, pe- people maybe d- done things differently, but we were all there for the same reason, and I think that unity is great, and I think it's something maybe for us to take back that, or, like, back home, you know, that, yeah, people around us might be different. Uh, people in, in our churches might be different. Wherever, uh, you know, where we work or where we go to school, our neighbor, they might be different, but they're still, they're still made in the image and likeness of, of God. And like, that, that they're part of the body. And, like, we need to treat them as such.
0: And going off that, that we're one body point, I think, I mean, it ties into our topic for today very well, which is, you know, theology and what that really means, what the real meaning of theology is. And I think... If you think about theology being Christ the head of the body and us as a body trying to understand um, the head, which is Christ and, and God um, as a whole, it's I think that's you know maybe a, a way to look at it that a lot of people don't think about it and you know, a lot of people don't think um, theology as being a personal relationship and more of just as like a academic thing. So, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I think you summed it up really well. So (laughs) I think we're done here. Um, But I think there's two extremes when we think about theology. I think one is it's very academic and very rigid. And that, I can understand why it it sort of drives people away, because it just seems irrelevant. Like, who cares about this small definition, right? Like, seemingly. And the other um, would be like, okay, I don't need theology at all. I, I, I I have a personal relationship with God. Like, I don't need it. And so, like... I think neither extreme is going to be helpful. Um, I think if we just go to basics, like like theology, just like you know, anything, and theology, right? It's like the, the study of, like biology, the study of like bios is things of nature, right? So study of things of nature. So theology is like the study of things related to God, but study is not really like a great terminology, but, but it is an academic field, right? And there's ways to, to go about it. And, I think it, but it's not just an academic exercise, I think is the the key. Because like you were saying, like what we're trying to do is understand God and who God is, who the person of God is, um, who, and so once we understand who he is, we can understand how do we relate to him. And I think it's really important to understand who God is, his, how, because then it affects how we relate to him. If we have misconceptions on who God is, it will affect how we want to relate to him or how we don't want to relate to him. Um, so for instance, you know, just a silly example, but like if I, like, it, you know, first day of class, like, you know, you're in college, right? Your professor walks in and he, you just perceive that your professor is like this angry person and like just like very difficult to deal with. You're probably not going to go to his office hours. You're probably not going to send him an email. You're probably not going to want to relate to him. And you're just going to be like very formal, right? Like let's get this over with, like the semester over with, in and out. Limit our interactions to like the bare minimum, right? And I think sometimes if we feel that same way about God, like he is like up there in the sky. He doesn't want to see anything to do with us or he's just annoyed with us or he's just judging us, like waiting for us to do something wrong and judging us. You know that's probably not the relationship you're. That's going to be conducive to like you know very, very loving and very caring. You know, um, so that's one one thing. Like so, we have to have the right mentality, or else it's going to explicitly or implicitly affect the way we we relate to God, right? So there's a lot of misconceptions we can have about God, or and that will affect the way we relate to Him and how we relate to others
0: yeah and I think like I, I agree and I think as well it's not just the perception but it's also the environment that we're in that will like lead to that perception I think you know for instance I mean you are a college professor so you see this I mean, you are at Catholic University but um, I would assume you see this in the academic field where a lot of times um, other professors or uh, administrators or whatever will push a certain idea of um not necessarily god but in general christianity or any sort of faith in general kind of push their own um faith in a way um so how do you kind of see that affecting maybe your students or yourself as well if that's not too loaded of a question no
1: it's not but like it's not just like in in academics right it's anything in society Mm -hmm. right like there's a lot of implicit um ideas that we have about god without even right implicit without really realizing it so like one example like you you see someone who is supposedly like good quote-unquote a good person and something bad happens to them what's our natural reaction why do bad things happen to good people right implicit in that is this idea something about god right it's in that in that statement in that situation we're implicitly saying something about who god is right that by itself is affecting how we relate to god now right so yes it it can happen in college but it's it's all, it's all around society. It's all around our thoughts. And so I think if we, we have a firm understanding of like, I don't say a firm understanding of who God is, because we won't, we'll never like fully understand, but you know, as, as best as we can. Right. So I think all of that could affect our perceptions of who God is. Like it, you know, back to my, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, like, is, is that true? Is that really true that God said that? Or is, it that, is that something God, you know, has really expressed that bad things will never happen to good people, right? Like, if you look in the Bible, he says, uh, in the world, you have tribulations, but be of good cheer, right? So, like, that's just like one example, right? But like, I think there's a lot of like, thoughts that maybe we don't realize are not totally aligned with Who God is, but have snuck into our thought process, whether it's from society, um, whether it is from school, whatever the case may be. I think, like, those thoughts, like, if we don't understand their effects, their natural effects, um, this is my first time on a podcast. I'm not really (laughs) familiar with all the, uh, you got a lot of equipment here. Um, Sorry. But, like, you know, if we're not familiar with how all those thoughts, affect us and is this true is this thought true does it really align with who i know god is or how the church teaches us about god Um, then it's going to affect our relationship we're going to assume like oh this is true oh like but bad things shouldn't happen to good people a bad thing happened to a good person then according to my flawed logic then something this is something about god well where is god you know and we go down that path um so i think you know in all of those like it's it's good to have a firm foundation of who God is who does the church tell us what God is and then we can go from there when, when we experience any of these questions or any of these thoughts um, thanks for your question?
0: Yeah it answered it very well and I think um, when it comes to societal like in a, terms of societal norms the world that we live in now um, especially back home in America it's very um, it's it's changed a lot in the sense of where faith has become increasingly and increasingly less important and and uh, so I, I entered an essay competition recently about what is the church's role in like modern world society. So doing research for the essay and stuff, I came across an article um, where basically it asked um, it asked people from different countries, um, do you need to have like do you need to believe in God in order to be a, like a morally good person, right? So this idea of does faith is faith important in life? does that matter in terms of what we believe in society to be normal when you look across the countries very strikingly it was that in egypt ninety nine percent of people said yes mm-hmm. and one percent said no or whatever in America it was forty six percent said yes fifty four percent said no um and then it's the same trends as you, between the east and the west like every almost every country followed those trends um and so we've kind of grown in this society to where we believe that we don't need something above us. Like we are almost our own gods Mm -hmm. and that's in itself is a, is a, like a thought within theology of, you know, we, we are controlling ourselves. Um, I don't know who it is. There's some philosopher. I forgot, um, what his name is, but, um, he has a saying and it's, um, what is it? Um, I forgot it. Um, but it's basically, to summarize it, it says, like, if I, as long as I live, like, I'm in control of myself. So it's, it's not that. It's, but that's basically what it means. Um, well, it's I gonna, think it basically. It's bother put, me for today, I, 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 know,
1: I think I know what you're saying. It basically puts us at the center of the universe. Yes. Right. And I think if you put yourself at the center of the universe, then you judge everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, again, implicitly, what we're saying is if I judge everything, then I. I'm sort of like a god in, that, in in a sense. I'm putting myself in that position, whereas, you know, I think the r- correct you know formulation say God is the one who created everything. God created us, and there's an there, there's an order there, um, and so we get our logic from God. We and we should see God in everything because as a creator. So I think again, it, it's understanding the order, understanding the logic of how things were created. And, again, where God's role comes into play into the world, how he relates to the world, and how we relate to
0: him. So going on that point of how we relate to him, how exactly do we um, relate to God?
1: So that's a very good question. You know, we've been talking about theology, theologians, and there's like a, you know, there's a nice uh, quote, that, like a saying in, in the church where it says, like, the theologian is the one who prays. And basically, I think the idea there is, like as we were saying at the beginning like theology is, is trying to understand who god is it's trying to, it's trying to get closer to the revelation of who god is to us the best way we can do that is to pray right and as we pray as we i think develop a closer relationship with god it, god opens our hearts to be able to understand more things about him and so as we pray as we develop our relationship with god i think he opens our heart, opens our understanding a little bit to give us a glimpse of who he is. And so then, when you read, let's say you're reading like the, the scripture, you read a verse like, oh, this makes sense. And then it, it might give you, gives you like an, an, an itching to like, oh, let me, let me read a little more. Let me read a little more. Let me see what the church father said. Let me see what these commentaries say. And then, like, you'll, like, they sort of go in tandem, like, where as you pray, you get closer to God, you experience God, then you know, like, I can say God is love all I want, but then when you, or God is merciful, but I think when you, like the Samaritan woman in the Bible, right, she could have heard a million sermons about God being uh, merciful, God being forgiving, right, that's one, that's great, but like she experienced it herself, and now she can go and preach and say, no, I know God is merciful, God loves, right, so it's, I think that experience, really, now she knows, right? Like, is anyone going to doubt her? Is anyone going to say like, no, she's like her words are not right? No, she she's speaking with real conviction because she saw something. So I think the more we experience God, the more we can actually live and pray. We'll experience God. We'll know more about God. But that's not that's not to dismiss the reading, the learning, right? Because they go in tandem the more you experience god i think the like you'll know more about god but i think also we have to do our part and read and uh, you know listen to like whatever sermons or whatever uh, lectures are available cuz that will also so enhance our knowledge i think those two go hand in hand experiencing and praying but also like you know as best as you can trying to do the work and reading and stuff like that
0: and i think those are both like two sides of the same coin yeah. like even if you think about an academic subject like let's say biology for example right you attend the lectures you do the reading in the textbooks you do all that but there's also labs and in the same way like in in the like theology like you have the textbooks you have the lectures you have the sermons you have the reading the bible but you also have the prayer experiencing God in liturgical worship it's the same idea so even if you think about it from an academic perspective the only way it makes sense is still to experience God in a personal relationship, in a communal relationship as well.
1: I think you're right. Um, you know, one interesting thing is like you always sometimes hear about is like the, the theology professors who are atheists. Who, and so it shows you like one extreme or the danger of one extreme or, you could be you could know so much like academically theoretically about oh i can explain the trinity i can explain you know the nature of christ i can explain like uh, uh you know the history of the church but i don't actually believe it and so i think like, to your point of, like there has to be a practical application or has to be the experience and like for you to be uh, a complete person i think yes you have to experience God you have to pray i think but i think it also gets enhanced by like the the reading, the the you know, the quote unquote academic part. But I think they have to go hand in hand.
0: And I'll say even from my own personal experience, um, like praying and reading the Bible and going to church, like the things that we, we do since we're kids, those are great. And there's I mean, those are those are the go to's, those are the you know, level ones. That's that's what you do. And it puts you in a position where You are now given the opportunity to increase even more, not to say that there's a limit to it, but to, but to say that there's a different branch that can branch Mm -hmm. off of it, which is that branch of the academics, the reading spiritual books, the, you know, learning about other religions and how they compare, um, to Christianity or don't compare and to kind of understand a more fuller picture, picture of God in both our eyes and others. Um, so moving on into the point of you know that comparative theology which i I find really interesting. I love comparative theology um a lot of times people who like myself who you know find interest in it um you know when i was at, when i like back in school um a lot of times you know I say this a lot on the podcast, but my lunch table conversations tend to be about religion or politics. The and two things they tell you not to
1: speak about. Are exactly. <laughs> <Nice>.
0: <laughs> Ever since I started a podcast, it's the only two things that people will talk to me about, um, and so a lot of times I get into this place where it's almost like I'm fighting with someone about I'm right, you're wrong. I'm right, you're wrong, or sometimes they're right and I'm wrong, and it's it's like it's toxic almost. And I feel like I don't really know how to have those tough conversations without you know being uh, aggressive or you know like just know like you're wrong you're wrong so how do you kind of go about those conversations if you have them
1: um yeah I'm not a big fan of compared <laughs> so I because I think like the pitfall is like oh you're right we're right you're wrong this is why and then give them like all the list I like more to just like this is like to know my belief to know my religion as well as I can and then, like, you can – once you know your religion, your beliefs, your church's beliefs, um, then you, you'll you see the comparison and, con- like, contrast for yourself, right? Like, so if you see your, your church A, right, and then, you know, there's another church and they have their beliefs. Like, okay, I see where we differ. I see why we differ. But, you know – Like we're both Coptic Orthodox. There's the other branch. There's the Eastern Orthodox. Like I love them. I respect them. I read all their books, right? They they have a different tradition than we do, right? That's fine. Even within the Oriental Orthodox, there's you can say there's different, um, there's different traditions, right? They don't do things exactly the same way we do, right? Like they have developed different traditions over time. Are they right? Are we right? we're both doing the same thing, right? It gets to this, I, what we talked about earlier, I think, you know, a little bit, right? Which is this idea of one, it's still one body, it's still one church. Unfortunately, things have fractured over time, I guess. Um, so I don't know. I I, I guess, like, I, I think the Orthodox Church, I, I love the beauty of the Orthodox Church. I think what I... Um, I, I love the beauty of the Orthodox Church. Is, is, is the best way to say it. Um, but I, I, res- I think um, I don't know. I, I don't get too caught up in in the differences. I think I, I I see that there's like things things evolved over time for a reason, I guess. Um, and you know, different cultures have in different situations have evolved over time to deal with certain situations, um, and I understand that. Uh, just like you know, I think different maybe our church has does they have like different traditions not not like not like theological like opinion uh you know uh,
0: positions like like uh capital t versus lower exactly D exactly traditions yeah
1: you know um and i think i think we see that like you know for instance um like in the canons of the of the bo- bible the books of the bible Different churches right, will have, will list different books in their Bible, in their, in their official mm-hmm. Bible, right? Even the churches that agree with each other. Right? So like, like us, uh, I think the Ethiopian Orthodox Church has, has a whole, um, a bunch of books that they consider as canonical in their Bible that we don't, okay? I think, and I think we have the Book of Revelation, but one of the other Orthodox churches, the Oriental, I think it's Syriacs, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. They don't have Revelation. I, I believe them. It's them. Does that mean, like, like we're going to fight about this? But I think it's just a different way of their tradition evolved differently than ours. Now, we can argue over this, but there's what's, like, you know, at the end of the day, I think we're brothers and sisters. We we believe, you know, in Christ. We believe he's our savior. And so I think, I don't know. I guess, uh, I, guess I just see, like, okay, like, we can respect each other's differences um, and just sort of have, like, an understanding of, like, what we believe, maybe where the differences are, but like, um, yeah, I guess I usually leave it at that. I, I'm sorry to de, to deflect or deflate your.
0: No, it's okay. It's uh, okay. You know, I'm not a big uh, agree to disagree guy, so that's why uh, I like to I like to ask those questions. Um,
1: I think it's good to to probe each other to like, you know, you know, it, like for yourself, it's good to know like what you believe. And like where the differences are. Um, And maybe like, you know, you can ask them, like, why do you believe what you believe? Um, Especially if, you know, if the differences are sharper, you can ask, why do you believe what you believe? What is, you know, and you can, I think, respectfully ask, like, what do you think? You know, especially if it's something like, not a tradition, a thing about little lower T, but like a big T tradition about like who God is. Um, You can maybe like ask, well, what do you think this says about God? Like, and maybe like, but, you know, I, I don't think it's helpful gonna be helpful to say you're wrong Mm -hmm. right like if i tell you you're wrong like you're not gonna really take well to that but maybe it's at least say okay like okay you believe this what do you think this says about god do you think that changes the way you believe about god compared to this um i think like having a dialogue an open dialogue probably is a little more helpful but
0: yeah Yeah, and i i think that open dialogue is something that i learned uh like over time while um you know, kind of understanding this because it's, it's a very, it's very hard to have those conversations with people because you're talking about what they believe in. Right. Like I know for me, like I'm very strong in, you know, what I believe in and for someone to like come and question it is like, it's like, come on. Like, you know, like I believe this, like, you know, it's like sacred to me. Um, so I agree. It is, it's very hard, but I think for me that one of the most interesting parts of comparative theology is the comparison is like, um, is like under like studying Islam and how that compares to orthodoxy because there's a lot of tension there um, when it comes to persecution and other mm-hmm. things. And I, I so um, there's a uh, servants prep class, pre servants we call it in Atlanta, uh, three years long. And I remember we had a series, a five five week series mm-hmm. on just on Islam. And um, it, honestly, it was. Sorry to say this, but it was the only time I learned anything in that class. Um, it, was, it was five weeks about Islam and the differences. I, I
1: hope your teacher was not going to be tuning into this. Yeah,
0: <laughs> And uh, um, and it was very, very interesting to see. Because um, a lot of times you think Islam is like, oh, completely different. There's a lot of similarities, not like theologically and all that, like big picture, like what God is and all that. But there's a lot of similarities historically and when it comes to the stories they have, even the books they have in, in the Quran, um, the things they believe. And it's interesting to see that there's a lot more in common than we think there is. Um, albeit there's a vast majority of things that are completely different. So I always thought it was interesting to look at these other religions because you learn about them in school, because like, obviously we learn about all these religions in school. In an academic perspective, it's... You don't get the full picture at all. I mean, because it's it's impossible, right? You can only get such a confined version. And in, in a in a like school setting, the different the, if you have religion A and religion B, they can't. There's no similarities. It wouldn't make sense. So you have to make them different. Whereas if you really go in and study it, you'll notice that a lot of the religions have a lot of similarities between them, right? And a lot of them, or most, almost all of them, are answers to a very specific question which is why are we here what is the purpose of humanity on earth every single train of thought not just religion like atheism agnostic it's all you know buddhism whatever it's all a why are we here and what is our purpose when we are here so i think you know to simplify it's obviously kind of dangerous but to simplify it down to that you know to put christianity like for example like orthodoxy on why are like why are we here, and what is our purpose when we are here? Um, I think that is a very simple way to think about theology that has a lot of value behind it
1: um yeah, I mean I think the question of why are we here is probably like the most basic question everyone's gonna, everyone asks right? and, it, and it's something that everyone struggles with, but I think in orthodoxy I get the answer is to grow any image and likeness of of God, right? Which from Genesis one, right? That's our purpose. That's like our end, our goal, to grow in the image and likeness. Or some, sometimes it's like union with God, like we're to be united with God. And I think what's different though in Christianity is that who God is. We say God is not someone up in, you know, in, in the in the heavens, but He came down. He came down to us out of his love, right? So you you see in that, like, God's love, God's mercy, God's humility, that he came down while we were sinners. That's what St. Paul says. Like, while we were sinners, he saved us. So it's like, in our lowly state, while we were completely undeserving, he came down. And that says something about God. And I think with that lens, right, he came to lift us up um, so we can grow in union with him and, you know, in his image and likeness. So I think like that, get, that's the answer that Christianity is offering that it's saying, you know, and it's not just like an answer, like, you know, you know, <laughs> it's like in that, you know, like, as an exam, I think, but you know, like, Oh, yeah, I got the answer, but I think it's, it, it's giving you a perspective to experience God and to grow closer to God. Right. And I think it's, it's, it's a very natural and filling answer that Christianity is offering. Um, and it's not just like an academic thing. There's, I think, like 2,000 years of witnesses, people who, you know, you know. I think our church is blessed. You know, every day you can have a, a, the saint of the day, the Cynic serium. and you can see like people whose lives were changed because they experienced God. I talked, you know, I talked about like the Samaritan woman. She she experienced God. Her life was changed, um, and I think that, you know, the the church's history when you read about these people, I think that is a witness of pe of, of who God is and people who've experienced, um, you know, his love, his mercy, his kindness, and developed in relationships with him and have changed to grow closer to him. So I think that's like one thing to always keep in mind is like, that's the answer orthodoxy answer is offering. Um, to your other point, um, What's interesting is, you know, this idea that, you know, if God, God made God made the world, he, uh, and you know, we say like He, the Logos, right, the, like the, the 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 mind of God, and like you know, there's this idea that if God made everything, then you can see God in everything. So you can see God in nature, uh, right? But you can see God in the patterns uh, of God, like in a lot of other thoughts. Right, I think it's some some church fathers like said this idea that you can find you can find like traces of God like in, in like I think it was, it was like uh, like the Greek writings before uh, you know before God's before uh, Christ came right so they they could like see the traces of God or the hints of God you know the the patterns that we now understand they could find it in like literature they so even today right like you could watch a movie right there's like a you can find like patterns of like the story of salvation in that. If you're looking for it, if you know what you're looking for. So I think it's because we're all like, we have, I don't know if I'm expressing this the right way, but like the pattern of, because God made the world, you can find his pattern in everything. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. And I understand what you're saying. And I agree a hundred percent because, you know, like my dad always says this where it's like, if you want to, everything that you do in life, God is behind it. And a very beautiful example of this is, uh, I mean, last year I took k- physics and calculus um, for the past two years. And th- the fact that calculus works by itself is a miracle of God. Mm-hmm. The way how it comes together. Um, if you look at, you know, there's tons of graphs that you can look at of, you know, patterns within mathematics. That there is no, phys- there's no, like, it doesn't make sense. Like, it has to be created by someone above. Um, and this idea, is something else I wanted to say, this idea that, you know, it's either science or the church is, in my mind, just completely wrong. Like, I think science backs up everything that we believe that God is. Because it's just so, it's so detailed, it's so intricate. I mean, the fact that two, not two snowflakes are the same, that is wild. I mean, that is, the, the, think about how many snowflakes have fallen from the sky in history. It's, it, it's a proof of what God is. If you look at flowers, the patterns, if you look at, um, uh, what are they called, uh, uh, Fibonacci numbers even, the sequences in nature that we see everywhere, the patterns, it doesn't make sense that it's by chance. It doesn't make sense that it's random, because then it w- there wouldn't be patterns. So it has to be something of so- something higher, and you know we believe that's God. So I think, like you're saying, if you look for God, you'll find God in humans, in nature, in the, even like the patterns on these vases, like, um, it doesn't matter. You will find God if you look for him. And I think that's something that relates to our mission trip as well, which is like, you know, if, when we go to serve these people, we can easily look at, oh, they have nothing. Oh, we need to support them financially. Oh, some of these people complained about this, complained about that. Oh, they're complaining. They don't want to work. They don't want to try. But if we change our perspective and our mindset, we look at them and we say, these are people who worship God, who thank God at everything they have, and God provides, God provides. And it, I think that's the number one thing about mission trips that people don't realize, where those same people exist in America, right? The same people in the same position. Uh, I remember last year, like me, me, Michael Isaac, and uh, we went to a mission trip is where I met them.
1: You, you're uh,
0: you- your audience knows, uh, they knows, knows Michael and uh, they,
1: they need no introduction, I guess. They don't need no introduction. Right, no. Right. No.
0: They, they've been here multiple times. So, uh, <laughs> uh, And it's like the people there in, in Clarkston, Georgia, you know, 30 minutes away from where I live in the exact same place as the people that we saw in Minya, Egypt. So it's, it's honestly a testament to, to show that God is everywhere. God is really everywhere. We just have to look for him um so yeah i mean i just think you know theology is a is one of the paths for us to fully understand god i don't think it's the end-all be-all um at least like an academic theology if you will um there's you know god is everywhere so
1: i mean like there's there's like all these stories of like people who can't read and write but like you know uh they have like these supernatural experiences with God yeah. and they meet the saints and like this. So it's, you know, we, we it's not like you're saying it. you have to, mm-hmm. you know, pursue this. But, you know, I, I think also if you can, it's probably, it's, I think it's more helpful to pair it with your experiences. Now, I think the depth of like, okay, not everyone needs to get a master's and PhD, probably, right? That's unlikely. But I think like just, You know, it's it's helpful to give you context to what you're reading in the Bible, and you know, to what maybe your your spiritual life and things like that. But with all this, I would say, talk to your father of confession, talk to a spiritual guide, like about like how to how to how to approach that type of stuff.
0: Yeah, and going to your point about like people who are illiterate who don't, you know, like they can still see God and everything. I mean, we heard a story yesterday um, from the um, director of the of the Shepherd and Mother of Light, which is a nonprofit organization. Um, here in Egypt that serves all these people that we served. The link will be in the description for their website if you want to donate, check it out, whatever. It'll be there. Um, and a story that we heard was, you know, there's this girl who couldn't read or write. You know, she went to school and her mom couldn't, like, her mom couldn't afford for her to go to school. And she's praying every day that she could just read and write, could read and write, could read and write. And after, I think it was, when she was 18, was that what it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah all of a sudden she opened the Bible and she could read. But then they gave her something to read that wasn't the Bible and she couldn't read it. So that's just like a testament and proof that God is still working, you know, and that, you know, people who, you know, maybe can't understand these super philosophical, you know, writings, like they can still experience God in their life. And I think that's what theology really is about. And it's not necessarily about Um, like the academia?
1: I mean, I think it circles back to what we were saying at the beginning. It's the revelation of God in in our life. Um, And I think if you are praying, then you pray to know God. And I think the more we know God, um, the more we can really experience him. I think we get a better understanding of who God is. Um, And I think then whether we, you know, whether we supplement that with books. I think it's, you know, helpful to do that with books. Uh, but I, I think what what I would just say is, like, to not be uh, scared of reading, to not be scared of, under, like, you know, it, to not let this be just things that, like, oh, a couple, a handful of people do that, like, oh, they're the ones who read that stuff. Because, you know, there's nothing like, I don't want to have this illusion that, oh, this, this is, technical, irrelevant, and scary. Because I think someone, uh, whoever you're reading, whether it's like a commentary of the church fathers, things like that, those are people who had deep spiritual lives. And out of those deep spiritual lives, they were able to produce the texts that you're reading. So whatever commentary you're reading from like, a church father, whatever sermon you're reading from a church father, um, you know, whatever life of the saints you're reading, those are texts based on people who had deep lives, spiritual lives, with God, and out of those lives, is what you're reading. Um, so, yeah, you know, again, some, maybe some stuff are more dense than others. Maybe you want to stay away from that. But I think this idea that like, just like to just uh, wave it all off, like I, 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 that's maybe the one point I would say is like, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of fruit in that to, to just to, for for our own personal edification to help us grow. Uh, but yeah, for sure, people, you know. You know, like we said, like there's people in the villages, there's th- all this who may not know, n- know how to read, may not know all the, all, all the discourses of like Saint so and so, but like they probably like, you know, have breakfast with the saints, like we, we, we were hearing some stories over this week. Um, but I think that I think the two can go hand in hand, they should go hand in hand, and they can enhance each other.
0: Well, thank you, Robert. I'm um, having some your, technical difficulties. Yeah, some technical difficulties, but thank you for your time, for uh, taking time out of your day to come on the podcast. I sure. um, appreciate it a lot. Uh definitely will have you on again to talk. You sure to about you. that? 100%, 100%. All right. It was great. It was great. Um, thank you guys for watching, liking, commenting, subscribing, turning on post notifications, and sharing. And see you guys next week. Thank you. Bye. All
1: right. Thanks.